We both love soup. Uh, we love snow peas. Talking and not talking. We could not talk or talk forever and still find things to not talk about. Oh yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? It probably is, Morton. It probably is. We're on a mission from God. Game over, man. Game over. Let me just pop in this A-track. And you just give a listen to what you think, okay? These are the ones. These are great. Yeah, those are really cool. Are they lizard? No, they're Italian. This business, this town, it chews you up, then spits you out. Well, why is it what you just said strikes me as a massive rationalization? Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? I don't know anyone who'd get through the day without two or three juicy rationalizations. They're more important than sex. Ah, oh, come on. Nothing's more important than sex. Oh, yeah? You ever gone a week without a rationalization? You see? You see? You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. Two tears in a bucket. Motherfucker. everybody from Sam, me, and Beth, my dear, Hello. wonderful, intelligent, astounding, and uh, dysfunctional, no, no, highly <laughs> functional, um, dear, dear friend and co-host, welcome to Celluloid Pudding, wherever you are on the globe and wherever you are in time and space, we welcome you to this edition of Celluloid Pudding. Say hello, Beth. Hello, Beth. <laughs> and happy pride, everybody. Happy Pride. We're a little, little late, but not really. Not really. We sort, really. we sort of uh, put our toe in with Henry and June. I think. I think we did too. As far yeah. as far as uh, you know, same sex attraction and polyamory and openness yeah. and exploring things. So yeah, I thought and, that was a nice little transitional film yeah. to do. And now we're we're jumping into the deep end of the pool with Basil Dearden. Dearden's film. Uh, 1961 film Victim, starring Dirk Bogard. The incredible Dirk Bogard. Yeah. Which I am now my big, first. Yeah, me too. Instant fan, fan now. Instant fan. Instant fan. Fan girling Dirk Bogard. It's my first Dirk Bogard film. Yeah. And, and what a film. Before we get we, started, yeah. uh, I want to do a little call to action. Oh, call to action. action. Jack, 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 um, Yes. Um, please do check out our. Our Instagram account, which is I never know, is it Pudpod? Pudpod, P U D D P O D, which sounds crude, but isn't it's it's sort of a short uh, form of cellular pudding. Well, we if it was P U D, then it would be crude, but it's it just pud. sounds Pudpod. It sounds Pudpod. Pods, pods for your pud. Um. <laughs> pud is not the same as the other words. It's all about the pudding. That's pudding. what we're about. That's yeah, right. we also have a Twitter account. Celluloid pudding, which is what is that one, Beth? It's celluloid pudding, P-U-D-D-N, 
at um, on Twitter. Cellu at celluloid pudding p u d d n on Twitter. Yeah, and then we have a Gmail. Yes, and we will answer you. At, it's celluloid pudding, all one uh, word at gmail.com. Feel free yeah. to write us with questions and concerns. Yes, and complaints. We would love to hear some complaints, corrections. Corrections. Based us, slam based. In us. fact, you can use the DM and Insta also for yes. that, that very purpose. Yes. But check us out. We, we like to have fun on Instagram and we're both into dioramas. <laughs> and um, we didn't do one for this, did we, Beth? That would have been. Oh, it might be coming. Yeah. Really? Okay. I, still, I mean, you know, you're going to be editing. So yeah. it'll be my. You, you have more time. boy dolls than I do. And I, I I'm, mutilated my last one trying to make I have boy dolls look. that look exactly like Dirk Bogard. So yes. I'm excited. I think yeah. he might have been the model for Ken. Sure. <laughs> for the Chelsea boy doll. Yes. yes. I do think that. Yeah. The Chelsea boy doll. Uh, yeah. So I had never heard of this film when you brought it up, Beth. Uh, 1961 victim. Apparently it was a really big deal, though. I want to give a shout out to Steve Hayes also yeah. known as Tired Old Queen at the Movies, yeah. is an account on YouTube. I love his stuff. Yeah. Uh, he, he is an actor, performer. Um, he's out. And he, he, he usually does sort of retro content, you know, older yeah. films. Yeah. And, uh, and I just enjoy his content. And his content is, for the most part, spoiler-free, unlike our, po- oh <laughs> unlike our podcast. But he's been at this for a long time, uh, discussing older films. So highly recommend him if you look up Steve Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, and or Tired, Tired Old Queen at the Movies on YouTube. Tired. Oh, I'm writing it down. We'll find Tired that. Queen. He's got a ton of videos up there. If you like old movies, he's he's your guy. He's yeah. awesome. And some well, newer content, too. Yeah, I'm going to check him out for sure. Tired. I think I can remember Tired tired old queen at the movies so no he's he's great he's, uh, he's actually great well how did you first come across victim the film victim I, from his youtube because i okay. follow him on youtube and okay. he was actually he presented this film i think for pride maybe two three years ago oh and i had not i i can't say that i've never heard about it because i i i do recall seeing the clip of oh. the confrontation his character far has yeah. with his wife yes and and i don't i i think i saw it in a documentary and i don't know if it was in celluloid or uh the celluloid closet yeah but to watch it was that too. it was in a which is an excellent excellent documentary on yeah. lgbtq and yeah. in film a, gr- a great um i think a great watch for pride month too i i need to watch right. that one uh so that was that was my I, I was familiar with that scene. I had not seen the movie. And then it popped up again on Steve Hayes's uh, YouTube. Yeah. And I, and I, I, cause I follow him and I, I have my little alerts on for him. So when he, he doesn't post content as frequently as say a podcast, but yeah. when he does post content, I get very excited because I, I just love the way he presents material and he's very entertaining yeah. and good. funny. And he ha- always has good picks. Okay, yeah. Steve. Um, Steve Hayes. We salute you, and I'm going to be following you soon. Hopefully, a horde of us will. Yeah, that'd be great. The pudding hordes. <laughs> so, um, I, I did not. This film, I don't know if it was available on other platforms, but I did watch it on YouTube. 
thinking it was a fair print, but my understanding is that it was remastered at some point on its 60th anniversary and released in theaters in the UK. So there's probably a better print out there, but if you want to get hold of it, you can find it the entire film on YouTube. And it's watchable. It, it, yeah, it's watchable. It's not it's not the greatest quality and I watched it yesterday on my on my laptop but in my workspace. Yeah. So I had everything all the lights turned off and it was yeah. nice, nice and quiet and dark. Yeah. And it is done in sort of it's black and white film and it's done in a film noir style. So the yeah. the not perfect print quality to it. Yeah. It seemed to get better so, as it plays, though. <laughs> it added to the atmosphere for me, so I've, yeah. it was a thoroughly enjoyable watching yeah. experience yeah. for me. I, I was sort of thinking, oh, God, how many minutes do I have to sit here watching this? Because I was immediately turned off by the score. We differ on – we have a difference of opinion here. The music score was by dun, Philip dun, Green. Grating, suspenseful noir music. Dun, 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 dun. Sort um, of discordant. Off-key Rachmaninoff. Staccato piano notes playing. Dun, dun, random. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, accompanying really blanched out exterior shots of, of people driving along a construction site, right? Right. So you're wondering, what the fuck am I supposed did, to be so hysterical about with this music? The you know? construction site didn't make any sense to me until I, you know, I, I kind of went back and watched certain sections of it. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I understand the construction. I, site. The second time around, I got it. And, yeah. and there's even a reference to that when when uh, when our main character, Melvin Farr, played by Dirk Bogart. Melville. Melville. Melville Farr. Is it I Melville? Was, it's Melville. For but the longest was, time, I was like, Farr, Farr. Far. They kept saying, you know, far, but they didn't say his first name until I think Laura. Is that invoked a it. British thing calling everybody by their last name? I think so. I think so. Parker. I think so. Gagan. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I do. Thurban, bring me a water now. <laughs> but um, this form, this film is uh, we'll just say this up front and then maybe follow up uh, a little bit later after we describe the film was extremely important. It followed something called uh, the Wolfenden Report, which had to do with um, a very sad state of affairs in the UK, whereby uh, homosexuality uh, between men, just just same-sex relations between men, not women, was a criminal offense for which you could go to prison and your life could be ruined. And after a few um, peerage cases, high-profile cases, it came to light that that this was a booming blackmail business also, since it was a criminalized uh, activity uh, on the UK law books. The Wolfden Report, or Wolfenden Report began to investigate how out of touch this law was with, with a, a social reality. I had asked you when, when we were talking about this, about how, how prevalent was blackmailing because yeah. of uh, someone's sexual preference back uh, when this, this this film was made. Yeah. And and by all accounts, 90%, that's 90% of extortion and blackmail cases had to do with blackmailing uh, gay men and particularly those of means and in high profile positions. That's, that's just a, a racket. Yeah. Uh, uh, designed to to take advantage of a an absolutely ridiculous law at one point the character even i don't know if if it's if it's melville Farr says it or if the police officer says it the, the inspector he's a yes. detective inspector somebody says 
that w- when the law when that law passed, they called it the charter for blackmail. The, yes. the yeah, yeah. When they were criminalizing sodomy and homosexuality, that it it base essentially became the charter for blackmailing. Yeah, yeah. So um, the law created a crime, a a non crime, uh, you know, categorized as a crime, created a real booming crime and in the blackmail and extortion business or racket, I should say. I found a great uh, link and and I'll share it at, at, at the end, or maybe we can put it in the um, description from the British library. It, it's like the short version yeah. of the history of the criminality of homosexuality in, in the United Kingdom. So, um, yeah. and, and it's put, so it's put out there by the British library. Okay. And it's very quick. Like you can, you can scan down it and you can see a brief history of, of the, uh, how the, how the laws actually go back to, I think Henry the eighth was the first one. Okay. I mean, instance. the most famous that I've heard of yeah. are the Oscar Wilde incidents. Yeah. Um, obviously. You know, yeah. We, we've heard about that, but I, I don't think, Many Americans knew that well into the 60s, your life could be ruined by by these, you know, extortionists, these blackmailers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you could be imprisoned. Well, at, at the time of Henry VIII, it was punishable by death. Sodomy yeah. was punishable by yeah. death. Yeah. And and I have trouble with the word sodomy to to be a catch all <laughs> for, um, yeah. for for that. Anyhow, this, this film also has the distinction of being the first film to actually say aloud the word homosexual. Yes. And it uh, kind of uh, caused a brouhaha with the yeah. censors in the UK, didn't it? But the British censor, motion picture censor, what it was, I forget what it's called. Um, the but BFCC? The, their version of the British MPAA. Film. Yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, the film was rated X uh, when it came out in the UK, which is a little different from our uh, X rating in that it just means adult content must be of age to watch here when we we see the x rating we expect you know something a a lot more explicit but it did receive the x rating and i believe it wasn't until the following year that the that the mpaa allowed or or theaters allowed this film to be shown in the usa as well that's that's, that was my reading or understanding yes i think you i think you got that um, this film was instrumental some years later in uh, it, it was already in the zeitgeist that this this law needs to to go away. The police knew it, the society, the cultural milieu, everybody knew it. Um, but it wasn't until 1967 that they saw the Sexual Offenses Act, um, which decriminalized homosexuality. Interestingly, women were not implicated. Yeah. Um, on the criminal yeah. or non-criminal side, you know, only men. When I was reading that brief history, the only concern I saw was, I think it was back in 1921, the House of, I don't know if it's the House of Lords or the House of Commons, they started batting that around. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it's funny because that's the uh, apex of the whole uh, um, same-sex girls schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it's enjoying its zenith. Yeah. Um, and they kind of just chickened out. They're like, Apotheosis. Well, <laughs> Apotheosis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they, the concern was, I'll have to, I'll have to look it up, but, uh, and then they also thought it's such a very, very small. Uh, oh, oh, the first concern was if women know, know about this, then they might be tempted to experiment <laughs> with it. And then the, the other, the other 
reason they backed off from it was they they were like, well, it's just such a small, 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 small slice of of, yeah. of the community that's actually engaging this kind of behavior, you know. So I'm guessing that. Uh, but but the film by Basil Dearden was designed as a social and political comment, uh, not so much a you know a great cinematic piece as a social political. I don't want to say diatribe. What what is a positive word for that? Critique of society and and the laws, and it also portrayed gay men in a very different way than other films had had portrayed the gay male com- community. Um, this could be your banker. This could be um, the bartender. This could be your solicitor. This could be anybody. Um, not not some you know, stereotype of, of a person, but literally every man. And as you're watching the movie, you're kind of thinking, I was going to say Britain gay because I'm getting that feeling. Well, it, the film is really effective in kind of conveying that. And I, I think there's a reason why they, why it does that. Yeah. You know, it, it sort of puts, puts homosexuality in sort of a, um, everyday life. Yeah. That they could be your, your doctor, your physician could be, homosexual you're or gay you're you know your barber you're the guy that sells you a car the bookstore guy the car dealer anybody and your solicitor you know that's what upset its detractors as well as oh no there this is an aberration this is abnormal how can normal men engage in this in this horrible thing and it was it was an effect it was effective to show that to make you kind of question that as you're watching the film, like, wait a second, yeah, you know, would I feel any differently towards my physician? Would I feel any differently towards yeah. my teacher or, you know, my, my, like I said, my solicitor, my uh, yeah. insurance agent, you know, it's, yeah. it makes yeah. a really good point by sort of turning that on its head. You know, it, making it does. People go, yeah. Um, I know that the supporting behind the scenes production crew. We had the screenplay by Janet Green and John McCormick. They were husband wife team, um, heavily into activism and highly and acutely aware of, of the wrong that, that this law was, was doing to people, uh, you know, ruining lives, uh, taking lives. He had worked with Dearden on a film. It says here, uh, Sapphire. Is it Sapphire? Sapphire. And, and that was a race relations critique of, of society in, in the UK. It says uh, Afro-Caribbean, uh, let's see, Janet oh. Green had previously cl- cl- collaborated with Basil Dearden, the okay. director, on a British social problem film, Sapphire, which had dealt with racism against Afro-Caribbean immigrants to the United Kingdom in the late 1950s. Okay. So okay. kind of cutting edge, you know, good, mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah. And I guess Dearden is, was, was comfortable with edgy, edgy or progressive material. Clearly. And um, and uh, doing a little digging, the co-star for Dirk uh, for for Dirk Bogard's character, Melville Farr, <laughs> is is his wife, Laura. Just call um, him Farr. Mr. Farr. Just go British and call Councilman him Councilman Farr. Farr. Well, Sylvia. Uh, Sylvia Sims, uh, also an activist and heavily engaged in the protection of, of civil rights of, of those who uh, were gay. She she had been in a production with John Gilgood when he came under fire, and somebody in her own family had committed suicide because of these oh, uh, wow. these barbaric laws. So even though she comes across as the sort of you know gentle wifey in in the film, she she was heavily 
active behind the scenes. I did not know that. I thought that was really, uh, I, I've, I was excited to learn that. Yeah. I, actually, I was excited to learn that all of these folks, including Dirk Bogard himself, were, were in their own way, even though Dirk Bogard was, you know, you could accuse him. Of, well, no, he lived a closeted life. I don't think it, he saw it like that. I think he yeah. saw it as protecting his lover. Yeah. His, you know, his fan, his, he, we used to talk about this, right? Yeah. Your, um, your microcosm. Yeah. And, and so he's protecting his microcosm. The, the, the people that matter to him, his, his life and his, uh, his livelihood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, not biting the hand that feeds you also. I think, uh, he had been portrayed before victim only in these sort of, matinee idol films where he's sort of the heartthrob and the good looking guy who doesn't have a lot of substance necessarily to him, but is charming and good looking and easy on the eyes. A number of people had been offered the role, the main, his main role in the film uh, declined because it, they, they felt it might be a career killer. And Dirk Bogard said, absolutely. I'm on immediately from, from my yeah. reading. He's, yeah. I mean, for him to, it, and it's a brave portrayal. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And he does. I, I'm not saying that the other per- actors don't do an excellent job, I, yeah. but you, for the lead role, that actor has to be a very strong, compelling yeah. performer. And he, he carries it off. It does. And, and there's a lot of classism that maybe flies under an American radar, but um, but certainly he's of the upper echelons. He's a barrister and he's up he's been nominated or or elected to become part of the queen's council, which is uh, about the top, the very top of the pyramid. If you're in, uh, if you're a barrister in England, Uh, there are only some 10% of barristers who reach the queen's council level. And and that, that person is appointed by the monarch herself. How do you, how do you know know this, Sam? My mother is a barrister in England. (laughs) Tell, tell our audience how you know this. Got this I on know good, this because I asked my mother. Um, my mother um, is American and she studied and practiced law here for many years and then went and married a British man who I, I, I quite like named Pat. And she had to read law, they say. It's not so benign to read law, but it really <laughs> jumping through hoops and serving tea and curtsying and pulling your fork. Your, 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 your bangs toward, you know, your higher ups. So she read law, didn't want to be a mere solicitor, wanted to be a barrister. So she got in with the, um, uh, with the venerable grays in and she became a barrister has the, the wig and the gown. And, and, uh, and those are, that's really high court that you're dealing with at, at that level. She said it was a little unnerving because, the pay, I guess, historically becoming a barrister was like being, you know, just something to do for gentlemen of of well-to-do families, the aristocracy, right. you know. So payment wasn't really that important. And um, <laughs> so, you know, a year or two years later, you might get paid. And she also told me you'd also received the brief right before you began to defend it. So, um, so, you know, solicitors and other folk did the, did a lot of the groundwork and then the barrister would be handed the brief to, to argue the case. So we get a little bit of that. It doesn't, uh, Laura's brother mentioned something about that. That's right. Yeah. He said, why is it called a brief? It hardly, it it never never is. (laughs) 
it's like, never brief. What's his name? Scott. I just can't take Scott as a, a name in the UK. You know, just nice. Scott. But um, yeah, so those are our main players. Um, Dirk Bogard as as Melville Farr. Farr. His yes. wife, Laura. Uh, her brother, Scott. And then we have another character, a, a poor, poor um, sympathetic character by the name of, what is his name? They keep calling him the boy. And oh, his um, name is Jack. Uh, Jack. It's Jack Barrett. Barnett? Barrett. But they call him Boy Barrett. I I was curious because his own friend. In there's a part in the film where he, he well he's calling and leaving messages for Mel, for Far. Did you think of Tarzan and Boy the whole time? Because I was no boy. because <laughs> I ran across something else today that yeah? was in the UK and the the person's name was Boy something. So okay. I, I don't, is it some sort of a nickname catch? I don't know. Yeah. So a young man um, had, uh, the film begins in a very, to me, disorganized way. Upon second <laughs> viewing, I, I, I got it. Music but you could not stand. This music dun, dun, dun. that is just jarring to my very marrow and these seemingly random shots. And you, you see a young man who's being chased down by the police. He grabs a parcel. We don't know what it is. And we understand that he has stolen about uh, 2,000 pounds. And I did read somewhere that that would be around, what was it? It was a big sum in today's money. Um, he said 2,300 or something like that pounds. It was 2,300 pounds, but it was like 50,000 in today's terms. So wow. it was a large, what? large sum of money he had been embezzled <laughs> to pay off blackmailers. And you don't know why. You're really not understanding why he stole the money. If he's a shady character, he calls our lead character far Dirk Bogard on the telephone while he's at the ends of court. And uh, far says to him, don't call here again. Or I will get the police involved. Right. Basically hangs up on him without hearing what he has to say. Right. Um, he he's, turns to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Good. No, I'm, you know, it's, it starts off. And the, the thing that I didn't understand is why is this, <laughs> it was weird. It almost looked like an aftershave commercial. Because he's sitting there with this other guy at this work site, this construction work site, and they're looking over these plans. And then all of a sudden the police pull up and he takes off. And then the dramatic music is playing. And then he's jarring. And thank God it then cut to I mean, it's it's uh it's like a 70s cop show. You see him running. That's right, it. Trying, exactly. Yeah. The yeah. angles and everything. Uh, yeah. You know, what, what was the 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 what was the TV series where he's, he's looking for the one armed man? And I, I don't remember the fugitive. The fugitive? Yeah, yeah. So it, a lot of that. Look, the yeah. opening credits to the fugitive with him, him running. And um, and he calls his friend Stone, yeah. Eddie Stone. Mm -hmm. And 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 Stone grabs he tells him about this parcel in his wardrobe and he goes and grabs that. And then you don't know, you really don't know what's going on other than as he's trying to leave their, their room, mm -hmm. right. The cops pull up and he's hiding. So you're not quite yeah. sure. You know, Is they he a bad at, guy? Is he a good guy? You don't yeah, know. They meet at the pub and, and he, he tells his friend, you know, the total, the amount of money that, that he basically took. And you're right, Sam. You don't know. Okay, he took money. Yeah. 
Why did he? He's wanted by the cops. Uh, I'm not aware of all of these laws yet, uh, having not delved into that. So my first assumption was, oh, Far is going to be the victim here. That's what they mean by victim. Yeah, subject of blackmail. You you immediately think he's the cops are looking for him. Cops. The police are looking for the bobbies. The the police. The police are looking for him because he's the bad guy and he's been embezzling. But then when you see him with his friend at the little table in the pub, he, yeah. he just looks so vulnerable. So you're like, okay, what's going on I have sympathy for here? him. And yeah. there are a lot of weird glances, the bartenders looking over them, lots mm-hmm. of men looking back and forth, and you're like, what is going on here? Right. Uh, the, what is happening? Who are, the, who are the two characters? Because we're, we get introduced to them right there at that scene, don't we? Uh, the, there's one, he's sort of a PC, dead ringer for it, Hitchcock, and I wonder if that's PC? why he was cast. Hold on. It's Mickey it's is the younger guy sitting next They're to him. They're clearly a couple, right? An, an older gent and a, a slightly yes. younger gent. And, right. and they just have these sort of dry, witty comments throughout the film. And, and we'll get into what they're about, too. Is it PJ, HP, JP? I think it's, a, I think it's HP. Okay. I think it's P, HP and uh, Mickey is his partner. So there are a this, lot of these sort of red herrings, like whodunit kind of thing, like who's right. a bad guy? Who's a bad guy? You don't know. And he has this bizarre sort of way of staring at the room, but his eyes, he doesn't blink. It's just this yeah. weird. And, 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 and he's, he's either got fantastic hearing or he's reading everybody's lips, the, yeah. you know, the conversation, and he's picking up pieces of conversation. Yeah. They both are. It's weird. Yeah. And, and a lot happens in that pub, right? That seems to be one of the right. main sets for the film is their local. What happens next? Um, I think um, I, my note says Barrett trotting through town to meet with uh, men for his big money problem. Booksmith, car dealer guy. What is happening? What is we, happening? We, I'm writing this in real time. We, we kind of we kind of get introduced to uh, it goes back and forth. The edits, yeah. the edits uh, go back and forth. And and that's uh, a little confusing in the beginning because you're thinking, well, okay, now we're cut to a scene with Far and his wife Laura. Okay, they seem happy, idyllic. At at some point, we do get introduced to the detectives that are looking for Barrett. They kind of go once they've gone to Barrett's room, yeah, the rooms he's letting with with Eddie, I guess. They go back to the station house, and you you kind of see. I, I don't think we ever learned the name of the inspector, uh, the detective inspector. I know the 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 subordinate is is Birdie. I think his name is. Yeah, Birdie. Then there's like a a sort of chief of police, and I I thought it was very nuanced the the dialogue in the police department because you would expect in this year, uh, in a film noir, that they would be sort of the hardened you know police squad out to clean the streets, and Birdie being the younger policeman. Uh, has has a, a bias, a, this this firm prejudice against against these men, and his superior says, "Hold on a second, um, no, let's yeah. live and let yeah. live," kind of thing. Yeah, it's he's he's like these 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 people are being exploited. Yeah, um, because because the and, and in fact, he's the one who tells us this true statistic: ninety percent of our blackmailer <laughs> cases um, are because these poor guys are being extorted. Now, in the meantime, Farr, our distinguished barrister Farr, yeah. is uh, we see him go to the club. It's a men's, you know, his men's club. Yeah. He's having lunch, drinks, 
one guy hits him up. I love how it, shall we have a drink before court? You know, just (laughs) let's let's all just live that way because that seems civilized. You know, one guy's hitting him up for donations or something like that, or a fundraiser and the other guy's hitting him up for something else. And uh, in the meantime, we, we find out that boy tries to get a hold of him there at his club. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He doesn't take the call. He says, I'm not in. Uh, And boy starts making the rounds. And the first one is with, uh, bookseller mr harold doe and i yes i now know how to make a proper pot of tea english style milk first always i know but the whole i <laughs> love i got so wrapped into that he has, a, he has a cozy for his teapot I, this the, bottle of milk now i know what a tea cozy's for <laughs> I what did you so, think i got so, so excited watching this man make Tea. I'll crochet one for you. <laughs> I don't have a teapot. And I got what? I got how barbaric. I got even more excited to discover that this stainless steel that they made electric kettles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a kettle that we boil yeah. water with. We well, at least you're halfway there. I I know what to get you for your Christmas gift. But I got you know? I just went, oh, oh, it's a it's a tea kettle that you plug in. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I saw the 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 tea canister, Sam. Mm-hmm. I think we have the same. I don't know if we got it from Tivana or if that's a was that a particular brand of tea? I got so thrilled. I'm like, um, I, I didn't notice the tea the type canister of tea. hasn't. Is, you know, it was Twinings or uh, one of those. If it's but, the same tea brand, they haven't changed their packaging in a, over 100 years. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, which the film's not that old, but I got thrilled. It it, it was very this. lovely. He says, I'm just making tea. And it's a, you know, it's a lovely, lovely civilized ritual to this very day. I can tell you, <laughs> we, we should all learn from them. But yeah. um, we, we're led to believe, or, you know, it, it's pretty clear that the gentleman who owns the bookstore, uh, Harold, yes, had Harold. a treat with, with young boy. At some point, boy left. I guess they left on bad terms. Jack slash boy is in real trouble. But Harold says, come back to me when I'm in a better mood or something like that. When I'm in better humor. It's worse Uh, than that. He says, you sound like you hate me. And he said, good guess. But but he does, as as uh, as boy leaves, say, say he does say, come back when I'm in in a better mood or something like that. Like it hasn't it's not a clear cut. Harold needs to use uh, crest whitening. I will say that. Well, he's British and, you know. I don't know that the teeth were that bad, but the teeth were definitely stained. Tea stained. Tea stained teeth. And he has this sort of no-nonsense stereotype bookseller, librarian, school marm employee also. And I forget what her name is. Oh, I don't remember. Harris? Mrs. Harris? Mrs. Harris. I, I, maybe I'm, I am I don't have that right. Don't. By the way, uh, something that tickled me, I know it's much further into the film, but Dirk Bogard, when he's investigating later, goes into that bookstore and he asks her where the minor classics are located. <laughs> and I began to wonder, what, what are the minor classics? I don't know what the minor classics are, <laughs> but I bet you Ber- Dirk Bogard does. I, I bet uh, so too. I, I felt like I don't know anything. I didn't learn anything. What are when, the minor classics? I swear, after we wrap up the conversation on this film, I do want to touch on his life. He is just like yeah, one genius guy, yeah. creative guy, brave. Not a pretty Barbie, as they set him up in Hollywood. Yeah. Brave man, incredibly brave man, probably yeah. an extraordinarily intelligent man. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. just uh, fangirling over him. 
Yeah. Uh, Jack meets up. He, he he meets up with his dear friend, Eddie. And I think Eddie's girlfriend, who does not like him on the, solely because of uh, his his sexual orientation. Yeah, right? I, I had interrupted you because because uh, we, we we pointed out that, you know, th- through this whole be- beginning of the movie, Barrett's trying to contact Parr all these different places. And then you had mentioned he starts jumping to, he, he goes to the bookseller. Then he goes to uh, try and find another friend to get a ride. Right. Yes. And at, at the uh, there, there's club. a, the car dealer guy and it's right. a high end Rolls Royce sort of showroom. And he asks him for a ride to another County or I'm not exactly sure where he's headed, but he wants to leave the country and he's, he, he, wants he, to, he doesn't have a scent. These blackmailers have, have completely. He wants him. to get to a post or, or, or the coast or a port to where he can maybe get on a steamer and get, you know, get, yeah. get work that way. That, that was um, a really, a really good scene yeah. uh, between uh, Frank is his friend. I don't remember Frank's That's wife's Frank. name. Okay. It was blonde woman. Is that yes. the young blonde woman? Okay. I have written it down. Now I'm getting confused. Frank, Frank Jeffries. looked awfully similar to Eddie then. Okay. Frank, right. Frank Jeffries. He just sort of runs into him. He, um, he goes by one of the guys that hangs out in the pub yeah. along with Eddie. Yeah. Uh, is named Fip. And he works at the car dealership, the Rolls Royce car dealership. Yeah. Yeah. It just so happens that Barrett also knows him. And, and the reason why he goes to the dealership is he's, he wants to get a lift. And, and yeah. he says, no, just, you know, get a truck, get a, a lorry, get a, a lorry to take you out there. That'll do you. Yeah. Uh, j- just sort of br- everyone is brushing him off except yeah. for his dear friend, Eddie. Yeah, he, he stands by him. Dropped off in some town and just runs into to, uh Frank Jeffries, who he happens to know and who's also married, but then the wife is not none too she, pleased. She she's just an awful bitch, and <laughs> and she says something like, you know, why can't the quote is why can't he stick with his own sort? And there's a lot mm. of language like that uh, throughout the film, which is jarring to hear in our awakened state here in the 21st century. Um, to to hear this kind of hatred, you know, being spewed just as a matter of course. Yeah, she's um, she uses that, you know, stick with his own kind. You know, why does and, he have to? Yeah, and and the man says to to boy slash Jack, it, it used to be witches. At least they don't burn you. So everyone, that's I think that's one of the first clues we get. You know, one of the things I I noticed about that scene, one, uh, Frank tells him he's like he's so caring uh, uh, towards Barrett. Yeah. They go take a walk. He's like, okay, my wife, my wife can saw it off for now. You know, she's being all judgmental. And and he's like, I'll walk you down to the coast road. I can't, I can't, I can't give you 20 quid because that Barrett's like, can you give me 20 quid maybe to take a I guess a bus or something? Yeah. And uh he says, I can't tonight, but I can get it to you. I can wire it to you in the morning. He's like, You do that? And he's like, Yeah, of course. And he's like, I'll walk you down to the coast road. And he's like, unload, unload, you know, get it off your chest. And then you, you find out like there's this little transition and, and he, you, you tell, you can tell that Barrett has told his whole story and has been truthful, truthful about it. Yeah. And Jeffries is uh, Frank, his friend, Frank is like, well, if that's, that's the case, you're pretty, pretty much hosed, buddy. You know, yeah. that's, that's a bad, yeah. bad situation you're in, yeah. but he, he even encourages he doesn't judge him. him no, yeah. he doesn't. He encourages him. He's like, look, if go to the police, I'll go with you. 
Yeah. He's a good guy. Frank is a stand-up guy. That's you want to know what an ally is? Yes. <laughs> an ally is Frank, god damn it. Yeah. Not his wife so much or girlfriend or whatever that tardy I, little bitch I, was, but I yes. do think there was this little bit of a a thing cuz cuz then we we see Frank and his Frank and his wife getting ready for bed or whatever just after yeah. that. Yeah. And it's it's sort of like they make this point like Frank is heterosexual and Frank is a friend of Barrett's and yes. Frank does not judge. It can him. happen to you. You yes. might know somebody. You might <laughs> know somebody. Your best friend. Be like but, Frank. But, but he does have to appease the woman, his wife or whoever she is, and right. say, you have to realize he's searching for something like what we have. Um, right. And he's not getting it. And that seems to appease her because she falls into his arms. There is a scene cut to Farr's home life, right? Yeah. Within all of this, before the, the police uh, I'm glad you brought that up because he yeah. says something really crass and mean. He, uh, he, he's going on about a case. Well, no, he's there with what? Laura's uh, brother, Scott, right? Who I, And his son is just going off to school. Right. I love this idea of just sending, shipping your kid off to school. This is why I didn't have kids, folks, because that <laughs> would be very appealing to me. <laughs> Ship them off. Ship them off and see them at Easter. So what I did was I shipped my kid off. It's like that, Ennis. He's really, (laughs) um, so he's really bummed about that, and uh, and Melville Melville is trying to cheer him up. And they mentioned that uh, that Melville's far's wife Laura works with, I'm not sure what troubled children is how they put it. That's how they put it. Yeah, troubled children. Yes, she's taken on, and she seems to be quite good at it. So he's not lassoing her in to be the wifey or anything she she has some agency and and goes for it and there's a wonderful scene he he's sort of talking about a case uh, where the wife's taking everything and he said what a bitch for taking it all and i thought that was pretty progressive like pretty um greedy bitch. ballsy greedy bitch like you know that that seemed more shocking than the word homosexual to me <laughs> but I, I don't know if it was progressive but it, you get this you know I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I took from it. It's like, oh, he's your typical uh, upper crust British prick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like but he maybe- makes it clear that he has a, a talent for the law yes. and he wants the good guys to win. Whoever's in the right to win. Yeah. There's a case in the very, very beginning where yeah. um, the ministry or something is, there's a major that has some land and, and yeah. they want to take his land, I guess, to use for a house, some sort of housing. And he's like, yeah. no, the law is clearly in his favor. And he's getting hosed by the Ministry of what of Development or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's like, uh, I just want to stick it to him, you know. So yeah. he's, he's, I don't want to say he's cocky, but he's very confident, you know. Yes, very confident. And he has that I've been born with a silver spoon um, kind of, you know affect when he's alone with laura i'd like to read a piece from the guardian that that uh, was released on the 60th anniversary of the film that i disagree with strongly they portray sylvia sims who plays laura as um, a patient sweetly delusional beard of a wife with whom he has no children and it's a detail left for us to ponder so others have accused that marriage of just being a sham And I do not get that impression at all. Um, During this scene, after the brother leaves, Melville asks Laura, do you love me? And she says, I do love you. And it's, it's very, you know, honest and earnest. And then they have a passionate kiss that does not seem to make her a beard of a wife. 
I think we're dealing with a man who has fluid sexuality. And that just, I don't know, that nuance bothers me that it's, there, that it's overlooked. It's funny. I was turning these things over in my head. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons why I love this film is that it doesn't, uh, it, there's some complexity to the way it's written. Yeah. Um, and and we, we can get into um, what those complexities are, but it's, it's clear that I, I believe that he's been sexual with his wife. Yes. Um, they seem to make uh, her brother seems to make a big deal about it yeah. later. Um, yeah. And we can talk about that when it happens, but yeah. I, I like the complexity. I, yeah. I like that it's not sewn up perfectly, but I yeah. think you can draw some conclusions. I'm not so sure, you know, I guess. Did we you think she was a beard? I did not. I don't, I don't think she was a beard. I don't think she was a beard. Yeah. And, I, but at the same time, um, we can talk to talk about it when we get there to that to that point in, yeah. in yeah. the film. Yeah, there's something that I found very impressive. hard to believe. <laughs> hard to believe, shocking it, that they would <laughs> that they'd take it on. Um, so meantime, we cut back because there's a lot of cu- cutting back and forth to different scenes, and I guess Boy has been caught by the police. Jack. Yes, he. Yeah, Jack Barrett has been finally nicked by the coppers. Yes. Uh, so he admits it all. He says, I took the money, I stole it and I spent it. Um, the policeman, the chief of police, I'll just call him that, but there's probably another term for it in the UK says, all right, take him to the jail room. And then he says to his subordinate birdie, um, that boy is more victim than thief. Yeah. So he has some sympathy and empathy for the boy. He knows that he's protecting someone. And that's the point in the movie where I'm like, well, is the detective inspector is he, does he lead a double life? I, you're and, thinking that of everyone. <laughs> you, and I thought, I thought it was really an effective device. Yeah. You're like, well, the policeman could be homosexual, could be gay. The, You've got a yeah. MacGuffin in there as well with this parcel. Like what's in the briefcase that right. the boy is carrying around? Before the police catch him at a diner, he, he goes into the gents room and tries to tear up what turns out to be a scrapbook. And try to flush it down the toilet immediately. I thought that's not flushing because look at all that. But um, he, uh, <laughs> he's apparently, the, yes, he's desperate. And uh, and I guess the the police collect all those pieces and put them back together and discover that it is a scrapbook boy had made of Dirk Bogard's character Far uh, of all of his wins and court cases and uh, who play who plays Barrett Sam Peter McHenry. That's right. Plays, Okay, I'm glad you said McHenry. Um, very <laughs> handsome young man. Yeah. I think he does a, a a very nice job with the role. Yeah. There's this very sort of sad or touching. I, I don't know how you would even, even, but it's a very sad scene. He's in his jail cell. He's thoroughly depressed. And the guard comes in and he tries to feed him. And he's, you know, he's gotta like, you got to yeah, gotta eat. You got to fess up because the, the truth's going to come out eventually. Yeah, and he even tells him, put your feet up. Come on. He's, he's you know. It's a very paternal sort of scene. Get comfortable. Get some sleep. The way he says, you might as you may as well resolve yourself to it. You yeah. know, you're going to have to come out with it. But we don't yet know what or who he's protecting. It's a very noble thing. We find that out because the very next day, what do we see? We we learn that that boy has hanged himself in the night. Yes. Uh, it cuts to Far coming. He's coming down the steps of court and uh, Williams, his clerk is there helping him uh, take, you know, take his uh, robes and his wig and 
he's helping him change. And yeah. he said, well, we got, we got a letter. You've been accepted to the uh, Queens council, basically yeah. big yeah. deal. Uh, and he's just 40, which is amazing because uh, you can be sort of 80 and still a barrister and, and still be a subordinate to, to somebody selected for the Queens council. So it's a, it's a big deal that he's and, a rising star. Yes. And uh, William says, but there's this thing you have to go down to the Fulham. They called the Fulham police station called and they need you to go by there. And he doesn't, it, it's weird. He doesn't really react. He's so even keel through everything. Yeah. Uh, but he's so, clearly uh, in a way that I think only a few actors can do. He, he conveys a deep level of shock to learn that boy has, has hung himself. He's got to feel extremely guilty for having, you know, told him to, you know, fuck off basically, or he'd call the police, um, not accepting his phone calls, misunderstanding right. his attempts to communicate with him. Yeah. He comes across <clears throat> almost as cold until he goes down to the police station to find out what they want. And they inquire about, uh, do you know boy Barrett and how do you know him? And those are interesting. That's an interesting story. He tells them. Yeah, he says, uh, I, I saw that he was a, const I don't know if he's a construction, they call him like a wage earner. What do they call him? He's the, the wage, the pay, he's the pay clerk. He's, okay. he's working under the, whoever is overseeing payroll. Yeah. So he's, he's tallying the hours and keeping track of the workmen and, uh, you know, probably trying to figure out what the wages were earned. So he's a clerk. He's a basic clerk underneath someone who's who's yeah. uh, supervising the payroll yeah. and the accounts. And, and I think it is in this scene that far he doesn't deny that he knows. Boy, he, I thought he that says, was amazing. He 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 knows the law. He knows anything yeah. can be uncovered, right? So he says, "Well, I saw that he needed a lift, and uh, and then you know." being a familiar face and, and being a good citizen and Samaritan, I, whenever the weather was bad, I, uh, I'd give the boy a lift. Uh, yeah. Police officer asked, why did you stop? And he said, well, it, it became a little too, um, he, he was, it seemed that he was waiting for me more right. than he should have. And, uh, and I guessed why. Yeah. He said, he's like, it, it would have seemed churlish to not give him a ride when I did see him after giving him the first ride. Yeah. And then uh, then it seemed like he was kind of hanging out. So I would see him and pick him up. Yeah. And then after I stopped picking him up, then he started to call. He yeah. started to write and he said, finally, I told him, if you continue to try and contact me, I'm calling the police. So so it, it would hold up in a court of law and, and it should as he's a barrister. He, he gives the basic facts, um, but nothing that could be. Nothing in, in terms of intent and, and emotion and, and, and why he would do that. Yeah. The, the police are, are telling him, though, that they believe that he's being blackmailed. And they kind of ask him, don't they? Like, do you know yeah. anything about this? And he's like, yeah. I, and he plays dumb, like he yeah. doesn't know. But he's resolved at that point, I think. He's going to avenge. Well, he doesn't know because he, he, first he says, can I speak to him? Can I speak to a boy? Yeah. And they said, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they could, the big then. reveal is, I'm afraid you can't. He hung himself in his jail cell. And that's shocking to all of us, I think, when we hear this. Like, wow. He, yeah, it is a shock. And we come to the realization that he would rather die than, uh, than give far up 
to these blackmailers? Well, we don't know that that's that's at this point. We don't solely know that that's the reason. Um, it, it dawns on it, it. It sort of like reveals itself to him. He yeah. comes to that far comes to that realization. And at, in yeah. fact, Laura, at some point, basically helps him come to that realization yeah. how much he actually meant to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next um, day. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I, in my notes, I have back to Eddie. Barrett's friend. Um, he goes through some old mail that I guess uh, somebody had picked up by mistake, and he comes across one of these black mail envelopes, which contains a photo of Far and Boy, not yeah. doing anything rather, you know, horrible. But I guess the boy is in is crying, and Far, the older gentleman, has his arm around him in a consoling way. So nothing graphic, and I think we only get a glimpse in reverse image of this. It's it's sort of like a. It's also a MacGuffin that we I, can't I couldn't click. even see it. It, yeah. it took me forever to figure out what that, you know, that big crane with the lights on it. Yeah. At the very beginning, I'm like, what is the significance of that damn crane? This is in the very, very beginning of the film. Yeah. Well, same here. I was like, why is this it's just like, extra random footage, stock footage, and, like Ed Wood style? What? Yeah. Troll up and calls. And, and it dawned on me after watching it for like the third time, like, oh, that's where that was the work site. Yeah, that yeah. was the work site. Yeah. So um, Eddie goes and too far. Right. And and shows him, look, this is this is what boy was into. Um, he was he was sheltering you. Yeah. This is what's been circulating. Yeah. Uh, he was trying to desperately to get the negatives back and he was being squeezed. And this is a whole racket. And and far comes to the realization that this this young man has, you know, sacrificed his life to save far as identity basically yeah at the police station they actually uh it's funny as as far as leaving because far as like finds out that that barrett has killed himself as far as leaving eddie stone barrett's friend is actually sitting out sort of in the reception area and they ask him do you recognize that man and then as they're escorting far out they ask far do you recognize the guy that was sitting in the they, they're they're trying to cross check and see you know, verify the story. Do you know these yeah. guys? You know, and and so far everything checks out. Everything that Far says, yeah. but it's and, but, not- but Far and Eddie do come to an agreement. Yeah. Far says uh, decides to go after the blackmailers, and yes. Eddie is taken aback. Like, no, I don't think we can do it. It's too big. You'd be ruined. And Far says, "Fear is the oxygen of blackmail," with great yeah. resolve and a great deli- de- delivery, I think, as well. And Eddie agrees to hear around as they put it to sort of see what he can find out about yeah. this ring. He's a, because when the pl- police try to, the police try to do the same thing. They try to get Eddie to help them. And he's like, I, I don't know anything, so I can't really help you. Yeah. But far is able to convince him. He's like, all you need to do is find me one, find me one person that's afraid or behaving as if they're afraid and I can, they, they will be the person that's being blackmailed. And from that one person, we can find out who the blackmailer is. Yeah. Uh, We get some more heart in this story where there's a, just a quick scene where uh, Harold, the bookseller uh, reads in the paper a boy's suicide and he's shaken to his core because I think he, he deeply cares for this young man and he had just meant to, sort of punish him a little bit and then reconcile with him, I think. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, that's kind of a touching scene. Then there's a cut back to the pub 
with yeah. a bartender and kind of a, a middle-aged woman who, I don't know what she is, a model model or spokes model or I believe it, it cuts back to the bar. Yeah. And you see the the regulars there. You see Eddie is there. Madge yeah. is there. Madge is her name. HP and his partner. Yeah. HP <laughs> and Mickey are sitting there yeah. reading everybody's lips. Yeah. Uh, Henry is there. We find yeah. out we get introduced sort of to Henry and who Henry is. Yeah. And uh, and then we see Mr. Pinstripe guy who is eyeballing. And we don't know, is he a bad guy, a well, good guy? What is this? This, man? this is what yeah. you this is what I caught. And I don't think you picked up in in the police station when Eddie takes off and the detective inspector is like, we're going to do this, this tell Sergeant Hurd to go mm-hmm. put on his Sunday best. Yeah, he's Sergeant Hurd. He's Mr. Sergeant Hurd. OK, when they say but we don't know yeah. that in the pub because we're suspicious of everyone. Like, are you a black? We're, yeah, man? we're not. Are you gay? Are you? Yeah. What? what are you? You know, <laughs> and he's just sitting there very, you know, kind of very uh, twee. He, he kind his... of reminds me of Jack Lemon. He has that sort of tidy. Yes. Uh, thin way about him dressed wearing a bowler <laughs> yes <laughs> a la he's staring apartment. very intensely at, at this whole thing right he's still, staring very intensely at eddie and yeah. eddie's like do you know <laughs> he's yeah. asking around do you know this guy am i is he checking me there are a know? lot of significant looks around the film and right. that just keep you guessing uh the bartender has a brief exchange with with this sort of bar, barfly woman you know who with madge the madge, model she models minks and I don't know what else. Minx and bikinis. Who's Minx a middle-aged? Bikini. Look, there's hope for me yet. She's middle-aged. <laughs> and she's modeling. Yeah. Uh, she's she's making money modeling bikinis and minks. Yeah. The, and the Guardian also described her as an ugly hag. And I just thought that was uncharitable. <laughs> oh, uh, was it P? Uh, is it HP and Mickey refer? The troll is the, at this scene. He She is referred to as a troll by the, the two guys seeing yeah. the... Which I thought, well, that's unkind. It is um, because she's championing as the bartender is is spewing his yeah. hate as all the, one has to deal with them. If the you know, but yeah, as all the men kind of make make their exit, including Eddie, it's yeah. just Madge left with the bartender, and he says something about you know, he's just kind of he's just glad that they're they're gone or something, and she she's like she kind of calls him on it like why. He says, I hate their bloody guts. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was pretty strong language. It's, it's kind of jarring if you watch it. You know, I hate their guts. They should stick to their kind. They're, this is a, an aberration. It's really some harsh language, but some good comeback lines, I think, also. Yeah. Throughout the film. Madge is, uh, you know. What's pretty, it to you? You know. Yeah. She's pretty Hi- stalwart in her support, yeah. you know. Yeah. She's like. So- um, cut to Henry, the hairdresser, right? Right. Uh, Eddie finds out that Henry's selling and it's kind of uh, astonishing to him. So you you yeah. see him walk across from the pub to Eddie's. Uh, he, he's not like a hair. He's a barber. It's like a bar, a man's barber shop, I would say. Not like a salon. Yeah. No, it's not a salon. He's yeah. got strictly male clientele, but yeah. it's a very high end, you know, full service, you know, yeah. not just a shave and a yeah. haircut. He's probably... Yeah. And he seems kind of astonished that Eddie knows he's selling. He's like, why can't people mind their own bloody business? And he's he's got fear in his eyes. And Eddie cops on to this pretty quickly and asks him what he knows. Right. And how does it something falls out of a gentleman's uh, coat? 
with well, A. Calloway as Esquire. And I thought, Esquire? What? Henry Henry basically chases off Eddie. Like, stop poking in my business. Yeah. He does admit that he is selling and he's moving to Canada. He's like, I'll, yeah. I'm, I'm out by Thursday. Yeah. Right. Then uh, does Eddie see the car pull up with the actor with Carol Caraway? Is that what happens? I can't understand I, how but, Eddie uh, knows to tell Far to check out Henry. Yeah, the, the, he's a very well healed man. He gets dropped off as mm. Henry, the shop owner. Yeah. Is taking his coat, an envelope falls out. And it just yeah. so happens that it's identical to the other blackmail yes. envelopes. They're very specific size and type, all of these blackmail notes. And I, I'm curious because I don't I did Eddie see that? Yeah. Was Eddie gone yet? I don't think he I think that's what tipped him off is he yeah. saw that envelope fall on the floor. So far, however it happened, and, and right. I think it, I'm going to have to watch this film yet again. It, it really bears viewing and reviewing, right? Far goes to the hairdresser. The hairdresser is very nervous, won't tell him a thing. I did write down one quote. quote he, he says he, he knows Far gets it out of him that he is being blackmailed. Right. And Henry says, I can't help the way I, I am, but the law says I'm a criminal. I've been to prison four times. I couldn't yeah. go through that again. Uh, uh, not at my age. I'm going to Canada. Yeah. Yes. And here's this poor man. He's middle aged, just running his barber shop. Oh, and you know, yeah, I think he's like probably in his sixties. Actually, he's a little older than middle aged. And he, Melvin, yeah, uh, Melvin Farr says, "Tell me, and I'll find the killer." Because he he does not view Boy's death as a suicide. He views it as a murder. He was driven right. to death by these blackmailers. He, Henry also says nature played me a dirty trick. So, so this is, you know, in today's terms, very kind of self-loathing based on what society yeah. is saying. It, it is. I, I think there's, there are different characters that express different takes on it. Yeah. Because when later we see Far sort of confronted by his contemporaries, by his peers, and and they have a completely different attitude. What uh, I, I love that scene. <laughs> but it's an attitude that actually comes from privilege too. I, I don't yeah. think we can discount that. No. Um, and, so, and that's one of the fallacies of the film. Eddie doesn't have a cent to his name. Far does. Why haven't the blackmailers gone after Far uh, first? Why Eddie? Uh, I, I mean, uh, boy, we kind of we kind of get an explanation of that when yeah. uh, uh, after Far meets up with them. But the next thing that happens is the blackmailer who you can't yeah. stand. Oh, you you just want to <laughs> punch him in the face immediately. This this punk on a motorcycle. Sandy, yeah. the part of Sandy is played by Darren Nesbitt. He was in a bunch of films. It's funny, um, not funny. John Barry who plays the detective inspector actually had some success on television in, in Great Britain. Yeah. He plays a, he plays a cop, I think in car cop. X or, or X cars or something like that Yeah, on a television series that had like a two or three year run yeah. in the late sixties. But his name seemed familiar and his face seemed familiar, but some of these other uh, actors did not really, what I read oh. was it was cast very carefully, and those who were cast were um, very familiar with their parts. They they were gay men, and uh. they were on the social um, justice path with Dearden. Okay, so, so they put themselves in a spot. But so uh, 
Dirk Bogard is is really in in terms of uh, you know work a body body of work is probably the most has had the, the most well yeah but but even he, if all he, he did well was cast, act though, he, <laughs> you really hate him and he he this is malevolence this toxic oh god he's awful thuggery come comes across i have nah. motorcycle i couldn't catch his name he's so like every the, place is referenced motorcycle he's fuck, the so. evil nasty satan mod he is. He's got the goggles out. going on. He's on his little, little scooter. He's got yeah. uh, a sneer. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> the only thing that's missing is that really ugly hat or helmet that they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. From from the aha video. Da, 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 da. Those are mods like coming, <laughs> yeah. you know, mod, no. coming after him. Yeah. Uh, so he um closes shop, pulls down the shades and says, let's have some private time. And at first I think, is he going to assault? Um, sexually assault Henry, mm. you know, my mind went there, but, um, what does he want from, from Henry, the barber? He wants, he, find, he finds out that, well, he finds out that Henry's leaving. Oh, you don't get to skip town. That's basically what he says is like, yeah. you don't get to skip town yeah. and, uh, I can do a lot of damage in five minutes and then you won't this have place anything, won't to worth it. anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a sort of force Henry to that in a situation where he, has to stay and he has to keep paying yeah the black this guy just wants a life you know yeah he just he wants, wants a escape. life even if he has to move to another country just get me out of this ring of hell mm-hmm. and uh so so this motorcycle asshole thug blackmailer guy starts smashing up the place and henry starts to make a call but has a heart attack yeah and drops dead yeah so, so it's two people now yeah. dead because of this asshole meanwhile there's a kind of a shortcut and you're not really sure what's happened it's a shut uh, it's a cut back to laura she yeah. picks up a newspaper and she sees something shocking and we don't know what it is yet if it's something about her husband or or what it is we we see her at her other part-time job i didn't realize she was a teacher we know she's helping with uh troubled children right yeah i was kind of impressed by that scene She's not just you know, some school teacher. She clearly has a high, I would think, be, because there's she's in a, a room sort of observing in a, in a play area where a young boy is is drawing. Yeah. And he's doing it constructively. And then yeah. some other gentleman walks in and he's kind of checking in on the progress yeah. of the young yeah. So she she's dealing with with people or with children that have probably very serious yeah. learning disabilities and and developmental disabilities. So yeah. her level of education must be significant. It it I, must I be. Think. And I think did I don't recall if they say how they met she and her husband right. are, but she has a great deal of compassion. She has a very progressive sense of of justice. I think she knows uh, about her husband's proclivities, um, his sexual orientation. I should say proclivities would be more appropriate for those in 1961. Um, and she she does her outreach work with with at risk youth. She is more than just an adornment for his life and his career. She is a woman of substance and intelligence and um, accomplishment on her own. Yeah. I, that's how I took that. But she she kind of picks up a paper and it's like, oof, okay, yeah. what is that? What did she see? Yeah. 
And then the, and then it sort of cuts to Far and Eddie in a coffee shop. Oh, yeah. The next day. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think it's revealed there that Henry has, uh, it, does Eddie tell Henry, or, or Far rather, that Henry has died of a heart attack? Yes. And, yeah. and Far uh, is, you know, he doubles down. Uh, he, he's really going to find these guys. That's, he, that's two deaths that they're responsible for. Now. Far asked him about. Uh, they found Henry with his hand, his with a hand, phone receiver in his hand, and then yeah. he he says, "My housekeeper got a strange phone call last night asking about a caraway." Yeah. A tr- you know, and he said, and he's like, "Eddie, does that that name mean anything to you?" And Eddie's like. Uh, there was a guy. There was a guy with a name like that. I'm. I'm Famous just not guy. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so but he he does discover that it's a you know a stage actor, and he goes to pay him a visit. Far pays the actor a visit, and and nobody is willing to to really get in on this to to bring the blackmailers down. They think it's you know it, it will be ruinous to to do this. It's it's funny because Callaway. Callaway is is a very famous you can tell is this famous accomplished actor but he also seems to know who Bar- uh, not Barrett can you hear the thunder in the background it's awesome oh nice they he seems to know who Far is it's like oh I I because it Far has I, he said now- he says something like I'm I'm familiar with and admire your work too or something they're paying yeah. compliments like I like your work Mr. So Callaway he, well I like yours too yeah Far has handled some big big trials that have, yeah. I guess, been pretty notable and in the papers. And, yeah. uh, but when he asks them about the blackmail, he sort of just Callaway's like, get out. Yes. You mean, uh, he you calls mean. his, his assistant and says, Mr. Farr is just leaving, um, yes. you know, just <laughs> very imperiously. <laughs> That's the end of that cut to back home, back the home. Scene. At the scene. Farr. Uh, and this is a pretty Maison deep scene. Farr. This is Maison? This and, is the scene, man. And uh, Laura's very upset because uh, the boy had, we, we failed to mention, had called their home and seemed distressed asking for Mr. Farr. And Laura had answered on that occasion. She then sees that this same name in the newspaper um, about the boy killing himself. So she questions her husband, you know, how, how, how is this related to you? Is this one of your cases? Is this, what is this? Far tells her about the scrapbook. Well, she asks him about the scrapbook. Does she? she? Does she how, is, does, how does she know about the scrapbook? Though? No, okay. she does. He does tell her about the, the yeah. scrapbook. And, and he shows her the incriminating photo. He's very upfront with her. Does he show her the incriminating photo? I, I have far that. shows her a photo of Jack crying outside the temple. Um, that yes. Picks yes. The two of them. She apparently knows from past experiences and far says, I stopped seeing him because of the famous line. She, she wants to know what is your deal with it? I, I thought no. when I thought I was enough when we got married, there's two things that happen in this scene. Yeah. One, we find out about Stainer. And two, we find out how Far has sort of negotiated his sexuality mm-hmm. in his life and in his marriage. Yes. Uh, we learn that Laura presses him about boy and says, yeah. what was your real involvement with it? And and it comes to light that she's aware 
of his fluid sexuality. She knows of his college days and a very intense relationship she he had with a, a fellow student. That student, um, Stainer? Stainer. Do we, do we have another name? I don't know. Um, I think there's a Philip Stainer. Okay. It was also uh, deeply in love with Far. Far felt that he couldn't we're given to understand that he felt that he couldn't cross a particular, a physical line with, with his suitor and, and that young man kills himself. Right. Yeah. She, so she's like, this is the second person that's killed yeah. himself over you. Yeah. I thought I would be enough. Uh, I thought, and, and I don't think she's um, rejecting his sexuality. I've read some sort of nasty reviews that say she's just a beard. She just, she wants to change him. She views it as a sickness as well. I don't think so. I don't think that the actress who was an activist would have signed on to do the signed on to be that role. I didn't, I didn't catch that either. Um, here, here were the questions. So many questions. (laughs) Are we to believe because there's a scene right after this where he yeah. meets up with his peers, the more people that are being blackmailed. Yeah. And they kind of call him. Scene. <laughs> yeah. It's a great scene. And they kind of call him on, on his uh, sexuality and his history. And, and he's like, yes, but I've never acted on it. Yes. Right. And I don't know whether or not. I'm Was that to, to appease be- the British censorship uh, yeah, board or whether or not to believe that. But on the other hand, and this is why I do like, the sort of the nuance, the complexity at this time there, I imagine being sent to prison for 10 years for your sexuality. Yeah. (laughs) Being in love. Yeah. For something that you cannot control. And And, and here's a man with the highest office in the land, the law running through his veins. And he's, you know, there were tasked to put some of these people in prison. Well, I guess it wouldn't go to that level probably, but there were people that were probably for centuries living extremely repressed lives and not being true to themselves. So I can see it either way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I could see him as as actually omitting what actually transpired between he and boy. I, I feel that through today's lens, it couldn't have been a, so many rides with nothing nothing but chase <laughs> but we can't but we can't see it through today's lens i know that's presentism and i i reject presentism so um, it, we yeah. really can't and and to think but is of, it a virtue to decline his his own impulses that's not a oh, virtue to me either so. in his in his in his class the the uh the denial of the self of your baser desires yeah that's you know but but I think what he finds out he's he's kind of shocked to learn that colleagues he's he's worked with at the ends of court he is it that he mentions we, the blackmail case and we, wanting to bring it down we'll we'll get to that oh scene yes Laura we Laura haven't first. we haven't finished that with Laura and Laura just wants to know what's are you, the am yeah, I enough the, is yeah. there a sideline that you're are you not satisfied with what we have yeah I think one she's she's concerned are you being really forthcoming and honest with me and two yeah. it's like am I am I enough yeah and she presses him and presses him because he just wants to sort of be done with it it's done nothing happened I I promised you something and I've stuck to that promise right, right. and um and she keeps pressing him and his line is I stopped seeing him because I wanted him 
And apparently this caused quite a ruckus. With Did you hear me? I wanted him to want someone. Apparently all the pearls were clutched and gasps and, you know, yeah. uh, the detractors of the film. Just they, they couldn't believe that, that that bit of dialogue was in there. I want I had desire for him. This film and, caught so much shit compared yeah. to another film that deals with the very same subject. They yeah. came out the same year. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so uh, hard to pick films man, for this month. One I mean, got many- accolades and the other one, man, got so much shit. So, yeah. and, and one of the reasons I read why is because this takes this, the subject matter to another level. Whereas, uh, I don't know, some parts of society viewed it as aberrant behavior just at a physical level. This film pointed out that there were nuances and depth and love and affection and uh, right. camaraderie and friendship it's, and, you know, more than the, sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Deep caring as well. Um, um, Laura says, uh, you don't call that love. Yeah. You wanted him. And I don't. How does he respond? And and the the book, the the scrapbook. Yeah. He says, oh, it's hero worship. Really? It's just well, hero worship. That's all it was. Wouldn't you call that love on the boys part is implied. I think yeah. not stated. Um, the very next thing we have is the confrontation with his peers. He yeah. he he's actually he had gone to see Calloway. Calloway is like, get out. And yes. and then he's summoned by is it Mandrake? Mandrake I, I is didn't catch the name, but but his venerable peers, all older, uh, far right. as about 40 years old. And I'd say they're maybe. In their 50s, years. Yeah. closer to 60. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, dear boy. Yes. <laughs> Silly boy. This has been going on a long time. We just right. pay them off, you know. And, and they're not completely sure. They're very forthcoming. I think Mandrake is the one that's like. I think he said he had uh, far pegged. Yeah, we're sophisticated men. We've known about the inverts, sexual inverts. Inverts. Or, we haven't mentioned that word. Yeah, the word. It's the first time invert. I've come across it. Really? Uh, yeah, oh, I've yeah. never heard of that as the sexual apparently inversion. polite form. I didn't realize yeah. of, of homosexual. Yeah. Yeah. M- Mandrake, who is the photographer slash artist mm-hmm. who he happens to be the gentleman that is employing Madge because his sideline yeah. is, is he's, oh my God, I didn't catch that. Okay. Advert photographs. Yeah. yeah. But he also is, is he's also working uh, with his artistry as a photographer. He's a well-off individual yeah. and he points out the other two gentlemen that all three of them are being blackmailed and they sort of, they call far to his studio to basically tell in his offices to basically tell far we're paying the blackmailer. Yeah. Now are you in? This or is an old out? game. Um, and, <laughs> and he's kind of taken aback and, and in yeah. that subtle way, again, the Dirk, not, not through a lot of dialogue, but, mm-hmm. but just subtle shifts in his changes in his facial expression. And, and he truly and is shocked. He's like, I, I didn't know. How could I not know? It's an it's an inquisition of sorts too, because like, do you agree with the law? And he's like, I'm 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 a barrister. Yeah, I believe you know. Yeah. So they're just, they're kind of holding his feet to the fire. Like, what are you gonna do, buddy? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Are you are you gonna throw us in there too? Are you gonna roll yeah. us over? Yeah. Because we're planning on paying him. And then the one guy goes, I, I know what happened to Stainer because I was the secretary of Stainer. Oh Senior. yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, you lived, you got out and you married the judge's daughter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because of that, you're here and Stainer's not. And then, yeah, that's Bargain a bit harsh. Yeah. Pissed and decks him. <laughs> yeah. He throws a punch. Yeah, a manly punch, by the way. Yeah, it's a manly punch. It's a, it's a deck. With good sound effects. Yes. <laughs> good sound effects. And, and you do believe Far is film, capable of that. He's he's attractive, but he's also masculine and he has, you know, depths to him. I believe that he has red blood flowing through his veins and that he could make love to his wife or to Stainer or to whoever he's in love with, that his sexuality is more fluid than his sort of painted in wide, broad strokes in this this film. I kind of like the fact that Dirk Bogard does not, comes across as Dirk Bogard in this film. Yeah. He, and there, there is an authenticity to his sexiness, to his smoldering, to his intensity yeah. that yeah. You, you don't need to name it masculine or whatever. It's, yeah. it's, I, it's he's just, I know uh, that's a bit outdated to use that. So what, but I mean, he, he's no, yeah. you don't have to apologize, but it's just like, he, I just love that he, he carries this whole film with such a degree of uh, integrity, I think in yeah. terms of his craft. So, yeah. Uh, he he believes in the letter of the law, and he has followed thus far the letter of the law. But it is beyond his, you know, his conscience cannot accept that that the boy was murdered. All right, that Henry has basically been menaced to death, and I, I think his wife says before that, I don't think there's room enough for me in this in this life in your life you, you'll right. be haunted by the boy's death and she's kind of right he is haunted he's on a mission that will expose him that will take down his you know appointment to the qc that will be in the papers and he'll be smeared and and she'll be smeared along with it well after the meeting with his his uh, cronies yeah. he runs into laura who apparently hasn't slept all night and uh and there, she's standing there by the lake and she yeah. puts the poses the question to him. She's like, if boy were here, who yeah. would you pick? Yeah. And uh, and he's like that. You already know the answer to that question. Yeah. And and she's like, but he's still in your heart and he can't look at her when she says yeah. that. It's and kind she, of like, boom. Yeah. Kind of and she says, I'm a woman and I want to be loved for myself. Right. I feel completely destroyed. And I don't think she's destroyed by his sexual orientation. I think that she's destroyed by an emotional betrayal within the marriage. Mm, be it a yeah. woman or a man, you know. Could could be. We go back to the pub and uh, Eddie is going into the, <laughs> Eddie. I love the gentleman. I keep writing. Who is that man in my notes? Coffee later. <laughs> I, I love it. And and at this point, as I'm watching the film, I'm rooting for because I'm not I haven't put it together that he's the undercover policeman. I don't think yeah. you're supposed to yet. But I'm I don't like, know if he's pining after somebody or lurking, I just but I'm like, figure who is this guy? I'm kind of rooting. I'm kind of shipping him and Eddie together. I yeah. want to see them together. Yeah. And Eddie's just like, you weirdo. Goes <laughs> <in there. laughs> and um, they, you know, reconvenes with his cronies and FIP is there. Yeah. And Eddie figures Wait, which out. Which one is FIP? FIP is the car. The car, car guy. Okay, that's right. Okay. We find out FIP 
Fip actually comes from a, a family of means and that yeah. his father has a lot of money and uh, he is also queer. Yes. And and Eddie finds out uh, they have that little exchange. We find out that Eddie's pretty being, good as a gumshoe. He's yeah, just he getting is. around. Yeah, he's sweet, cute. Yeah, I like yeah. Uh, I liked him. Yeah. But, he, you know, he takes that tip from far, which is look for fear. And he can tell how edgy they, they have that little conversation while mm-hmm. Eddie's eating the sandwich. Yeah. You know, eat a sandwich. You'll feel better. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, how do we out. go from that to the car dealer guy driving him? Around oh, I forget him knowing. how we found out that Fip- we see Fip getting a phone call, which is right. obviously the blackmailer. Like there's yes. going to be a drop today. You're going to have to pay your right. What do they call it? I don't know. I think yet. it's at the pub. Isn't that where he gets the phone call or he makes the phone call? Oh, that's right. I don't think it was Somebody at says, work. says, hey, there's a call for you. And yeah. he's very, you know, freaked out. But I think he goes to a payphone at some point as well. And and we hear a little bit of interaction. Far catches on to this somehow. And just to sort of not go scene by scene, but but give you the sense of it. Far says, let me take your place for the drop. Right. Uh, Eddie gets suspicious that FIP is being blackmailed. And yeah. then FIP like scurries out of the pub. Yeah. And Fip goes, well, anybody can go and look at a car. In other yeah. words, like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. tell Far and Far. So yeah. Far comes in there as Mister. Oh God, Montgomery. I forget the. It's a yeah. fake name. Yeah. And uh, and then he he confronts Fip and Fip confesses. You know, professes that he is. Yes, I am being blackmailed. And yeah. so Far has an offer for him. He's like, look, I'll go in your stead. I'll get my photo back. The negative. negative. And I'll get your letters back. Yeah. And Fip signs on to this. Yeah. Uh, they take a drive around <clears throat> the park. Awful blackmailer motorcycle guy <laughs> um, the sees them. Mod, Satan mod from Horrible hell. Spawn of hell, Satan. I hate that man so with much. His in this curly movie. hair greased back with yeah. bastard. Yeah. Uh, Far so. does confront him. And uh, and the thug says, basically, we don't won't negotiate now. Right. See you, mate. Mm-mm. But Far makes, you know, and, and this is what he, he sells this to FIP. He's like, look, I know what my bank account has. Yeah. I'll get him back. I'll negotiate him back. And that's sort of the tack he takes when he meets up with the blackmailer later. Later yeah. is like, just give me the price. Just yeah. tell me what the price is. And uh, we, we have a quick cut back to who we assume is the puppet master of all this blackmailing the kingpin right sort of mm. laughing and saying oh we've got them and we assume he's talking is that the that's, motorcycle guy again, that's ma- motorcycle guy yeah okay. he's reclining oh, there he doesn't have his little goggles yeah. on he's got a uh, the, the camera pans to a print of the statue of david mm-hmm. um which you know is our signal. <laughs> found that interesting like, yeah this is code for he's probably a homosexual yeah like and why so- would I, you know, that was a cheesy moment in the, in the film, yeah. I thought. What was that telling us? But to, to go back to your question about why not just go directly to, because uh, they don't blackmail far directly. He says in that conversation with his cohort, who we don't know yet, who his yeah. cohort is. Yeah. He's like, I think, I think we can press him, but not too far. In other words, he's still a barrister. There's no telling what he might do, but I think if we 
name the right price, we can, you know. Yeah. I, I think they must time. be aware also. I don't know on the books what it looked like, but blackmail might have been the greater offense, technically. Yes. But I do feel like he's he's sort of like going if we if we hit the right number, we can score a nice sum from this guy on a one time thing. And then he giggles. He's like, oh, that's a great idea. We'll do that, too. And then what happens? Yeah. Um, then we have the scene cut back to Laura and she's outside of her house uh, i guess near the garage and somebody has written in big angry whitewashed letters far is queer and of course the word queer in these days was a pejorative term it wasn't uh, used in the way that we use it now as a, as a sort of positive umbrella term for many things and she's shocked by this scott her brother comes i think that's scott her brother right yes that's her brother comes up and says uh, Where, what do you think i of- mean scott find something to do buddy why are you yeah. always hanging out over there and- boy leaves and he's just got <laughs> nothing to do now good I, I guess he's a solicitor right he must be a lesser man of the law oh i, th- I think he's just brief. another barrister it doesn't he doesn't yeah. say he's a solicitor because he's got a he's got a, a real case he's handling at the beginning mm-hmm. when we were introduced to him but but she does have a a, a rather frank talk to with him it's it's just as shocking to me as the as the other talk between mel and um and laura in the in its openness and she basically tells her brother i was aware of his i put bisexuality um, Mm -hmm. even though that is not a term that's used or alluded to um right he says have you found real love laura and she said i married him knowing everything about him i can't stop loving him he gets really indignant about how dare he you were only 19 years old or yeah. And 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 he's like, well, that's she's she's like, I love him and and I'm happy. But then he's like, that's not what I'm talking. In other words, are you being sexually fulfilled by your marriage? Which I've, yeah. I'm yeah, like, guys, you know, I think that was code <laughs> for sexual fulfillment as well. And yes, I sex- feel like there was evidence of of chemistry and, and this obsession with you're not being fulfilled as a woman. Yes. If you are yeah. not being you're one thing uh, filled or with another children, thing. <laughs> There's no nuance, no no spectrum, right? Uh, and and I think uh, not only the the disapproving faction of of, of I don't know heteronormative yeah. people at the time, but also people within the gay community still have a, a tough time with that that particular option, right? bisexuality being neither fish nor fowl not you know i hear from people within the the community who are identify as bisexual that they you know could be more accepting yeah i i just found it interesting that he's like you're just not being fulfilled as a woman yeah her brother Uh, is saying this and she she defends herself and she she's much smarter than her brother, I believe. I think so too, and I think she's a more evolved soul. And uh, you know what? Um, again, with the portrait of marriage thing, but yeah, she's clearly fulfilled in her in her love that she feels yeah. for her husband. Now, I don't know about the bedroom department, but much ado is made a- about the fact that they don't seem to have children, and nobody right. brings it up really. It's just the reviewers right. who do, it's sort of insinuating the that kids? they're not having sex at all. I'd like and to tell I you all that I that. have no children. It doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't buy that at all. 
I think they have been physically intimate and I think they they're probably... a professional couple and she finds fulfillment in, in teaching these these kids, these at-risk kids. So they're clearly fulfilled with their marriage and their careers. Yeah. So judge ye not, fuckers. Yeah. So. Really? Motherfucker. <laughs> so then somehow pinstripe guy and is at the bookstore, right? At uh Harold's bookstore. And this is the scene where Far goes in and asks the employee woman, um, where do you keep your minor classics? And I've written in large letter letters. What are, minor- what are minor classics? Why haven't I learned this? I just stopped the movie like, what are the minor classics? Is there a section? I'm not even sure I know what the major classics are. I thought I did. Maybe they were only minors. I don't know. Holy shit. Minor league and major failure as an well, I knew that already. Failure as an academic. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that makes two of us, so that's why we do this. So, um, (laughs) shall we? I I was wondering where we go go off track. Far actually goes back to his chambers, yeah, and he's met there. He's he's resigned himself to I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to meet up with these this blackmailer. Uh, he meets Williams, his clerk, and it's. I love how matter. He's so determined through this yeah. whole film, and but the determination is is sort of why you're sort of drawn into the story. You know, yeah. he's just moving along at a very. Uh, he wants justice. Yes, very steady clip about you know, getting this resolved. And, and he, he does and tell he, the clerk, who is quite a bit older, right? Look, right. things are going to get ugly. I want to be com- completely upfront with you. Yeah. I have to. I have to show you something. And he he hands him the photo. He the clerk kind of look. What's his name? The clerk Williams. Williams um, looks at it and says, hmm, "You know, if he wasn't crying, you know, it's, there's nothing terribly horrible here." And uh, I think Far says something like, um, "Nothing I, that I could legally you, implicate you." Yeah. Yeah. Nothing that le- could legally implicate you. And Far says something about. Williams may be thinking less of him. Williams says, I haven't doubted your integrity for 10 years. Why would right. I start now? Yes. So clearly very loyal and, you know, unruffled. I not also un- love not ruffled by this. The, the offhand, we must get the negative. <laughs> yes. Let's do do that. Let's, then we'll let's get the negative. Have a brandy afterward. Far makes the drop in Harold Doe's bookstore. Yeah. In the minor classics. <laughs> Um, then how things move rather quickly then for the big bus yes yes well first the the couple with hp or whatever his name is they're busted and i'm not sure why (laughs) oh they're okay so they're kind of what's the term you use mcguffin yeah they were sort of a yeah they're red herring yeah red yeah so you're thinking they might be the blackmailers because they're certainly they got a bead on everybody's story, but yeah. you find out really they're just running a garden variety, uh, mail fraud, defrauding yeah. Yeah. by mail, little old ladies out of their money for, you know, fake cat charities and things like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. They get rounded up. And then the next thing you see really is the gentleman that we thought was pining after Eddie stone. Yeah. We find out he's an undercover police yeah. officer. He's like, yep, they, she picked up the or the they picked up the money right away. Yeah. Took the bait. Took the bait. And the next thing you see is the clerk that works in Harold Doe's bookstore. 
What's her name? I cannot remember. I did not write that down. But uh, we we see her and calling back and forth through the uh, another room, and then out comes Sandy, the Satan mod. Well, I don't know who's more satanic now. The uh, I don't know. female employee who's I think really hateful. Hideous, though. Or... There's something about that guy, even though he's rather handsome, yeah. creeps me the fuck out. He's he's yeah. very sleazy. Sleazy yeah. is the the word. And uh, yeah, the big bust is made. Far goes home and expects Laura to be gone, mm-hmm. um, but she's there. And he very touchingly says, "Look, I'm I'm going to follow this through." Um, I know there's going to be a lot of publicity. Uh, My career might be wrecked and I don't want you to have to sit through that. And she says, says, I, I love you basically. And and I have the strength to, to be here when, when you need me, when all of this is, is over. This was my, my kind of like, why are you staying through the whole thing? But I, I appreciated the, I appreciated the fact that he says, no, I don't want you here for the ugliness. Yeah. I don't want you here for the and when I saw that I'm like oh that's just his way of like yeah. scooting her off and out uh, yeah. so he can come out and go to Fire Island and <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, no no but it's it's not that at all yeah. he he really does love her he is yeah. concerned for her and he's like when there will be a time when this is all over with where I will need you and she says need that's a much bigger word than love. Yeah, and I know you didn't necessarily. I was trying to decide if that was okay. Is it a bigger word? It's a big word. Need a child might need you, Mm. and you might feel loved, but but I I I just don't like the all of these you know boxed in identity issues, and and I do think you love who you love, or you can if you're a certain way, uh, and be it male, female, whatever. She says she feels stronger. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's really all the resolution that her character needs, which is no matter what comes from this. Um, and we have to give the writers you credit I, for not saying something simpy like, I'll stand by my man. You know, I no just, matter you what. know, she says, I think. I or we're going to split up or whatever. I mean, it, that there's was an economy th- in the dialogue that I appreciated. That was one of the things I loved about the film or the film, the, the, the first season of uh, killing Eve, there's this yeah. great, uh, one of her friends, Bill, yeah, who also works at MI6 is happily married, has children, but he's also gay. <laughs> yeah. Here's <laughs> and, our portrait of a marriage. And, yeah. and I, yeah. And I, I love that. Um, I just don't think that's a one size fits all scenario. So it, yeah. it does in that regard, the film leaves that open, I think. But in it, sometimes things are left open and it feels just kind of dark or stagnant or not, not hopeful. And I liked the way this ended. The only negative thing was that he burned the picture. So why was that negative? Like, uh, I I think it was him saying, I'm not going to lust after somebody else. I'm going to settle it with my wife. Mm. He didn't keep a memento of his affection. That's yeah, how I view it. But some it. people could interpret that as I'm going to shut the box and put it aside and yeah. erase it. Erase yeah. Or am I going to deny my, I don't know. I'd like to see them have a deeper Do, conversation about that. But. Um, 
Well, do, should we read him as being bisexual and that it's really a question of not his sexuality, but his fidelity? I think it is about his fidelity. That's mm. what I get from it. I think oh. she's smart enough and has enough support to leave if she felt like it wasn't real love. Mm. I do. And I think that his kiss I say, show, I would say that, marriage, passion. that marriage is doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless they go to an open marriage. But but as we know from our constant theme, Portrait of a Marriage, it's a tall order. It's, to it's ask not a theme that we're seeking to provide out, everything. though. But it's seeking us out. It's haunting me. Oh, so, God, we got to. I can't wait till summer blockbuster. In the summer, we're just going to focus on goddamn think. blockbusters. We're fucking you know, monsters and shit. Oh Ouch. God. Fuck. No other motive, but to kill humans or, um, I, I really enjoyed this film it, and it was yeah. pleasurable to watch. And I, I liked the film noir aspect to it. And I even yeah. love the music and, oh, uh, and I thought no, the you're wrong there. Uh, yes. <laughs> and Otto Heller was the cinematographer. I don't know what other films he's worked on, but that yeah. name is really damn familiar. So yeah. I'll have I'd to have to look, look that up too. Me. The interior shots, particularly those where Dirk Bogard is is the subject, uh, were beautifully lit, beautifully right. shot. I thought uh, the external shots, not so much. There exterior are shots, I should say. There's some great documentary documentaries on Dirk Bogard, but uh, just to share with you, he's an incredible man. He's written yeah. memoirs, best-selling memoirs. Like something like six novels, six novels, uh, some journalistic, uh, you know, uh, compendium of, of of his journalistic work as well. He was, and, con- yeah, and and he had a distinguished World War II service. He served both in the European and the Pacific theater yeah. theaters of war. Uh, he was first conscripted, but then later, at the age of twenty-two, he joined the Queen's Royal Regiment yeah. in nineteen forty-three. He's been, it's been noted in other books about the war that he worked as a specialist for the uh, Air Force units in interpreting aerial photo reconnaissance information. Yeah. Uh, after D-Day, he worked with the Royal Canadian Air Force units and just helped basically determine where the RAF and the Canadian Air Force units would this, this and the man allies. had a beautiful mind, not just a beautiful face. Yeah, yeah. he he yeah. found places where they would the um targeted bombing basically yeah. for strategic purposes. Now, after the war, he, uh, apparently he liked to paint as well and yeah. um he would go back to the places that he had bombed. There was a certain irony uh, about some of the places because uh, I think his family was from the Netherlands or something. We had a vonde, vonder, which usually means a sort of upper class level in in those regions. If you have a von or a vonder, and I, I can't remember his his real last name. It was Dutch sounding. Hold on, what was it? <laughs> um, but while you're looking that up. Also, Bogart was one of uh, this is under his Wikipedia. Bogart was one of the first allied officers to reach the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp in Germany in April 1945, an experience that had the most profound effect on him, about uh, which he found difficulty to speak for many years after he could to speak on it. There is a brief excerpt, uh, an account of that encounter in his Wikipedia, and I'm not going to read it because it is. Oh, uh, it's gut wrenching. 
And a lot of what he shares from his wartime experience is gut-wrenching. So, um, but this is a man of depth, intellect, experience uh, that that no one would wish to have, really. Artistic, incredibly brave uh, in his wartime service, brave in um, brave in his life too. I think. Yeah, he had a long-term partner, and uh, let's see, that would be um, Anthony Forwood from 1949 to 1988 till his death he was another uh, forward was another actor but um had sort of put his own career aside to manage dirk bogard's career yeah as and, his life uh, partner and uh, he i think from the moment he accepted victim this is what i read he's he promised himself that he would stop with the matinee idol fair and yeah. uh, and most notably he did he he portrayed a a gay man in in Death in Venice, the much celebrated Thomas Mann work uh, made by Visconti. Visconti I, does not have an untarnished reputation, but um, I did not know that he was in the film Darling, opposite of Julie Christie. Oh, uh, and she won an Oscar for that. And I just yeah. saw the. Now I need to see that movie because I love Julie Christie. But yeah. I she won the Oscar for that role and yeah. i just saw the clips i just looked at the clips on youtube i'm like oh god now I've okay got I, now i have to watch that this whole this He's whole incredible. thing has sent me down a, a bogard uh you know rabbit hole um, i need i need more such a contemporary style um yeah. to his performances timeless uh, yeah. yeah but but and in Christie, i mean it's just a totally different generation of of yeah. actor and um and man he's just he's great He's really great. He's so the feeling of that film is so contemporary compared to this film. Yeah. And he just fits seamlessly in it. We, we recommend victim. Uh, We recommend it for pride as a good, as a good starting point. Mm -hmm. We recommend it on its own merit as a, as a wonderful sociopolitical treatise that, that helped informed an act that would decriminalize homosexuality in, in the UK and also Dirk Pope. Uh, in 1967, yes, and uh, that was the 1967 Sexual Offenses Act. Uh, although there was some small print in that act that that suggested that that same-sex relations among between men should be uh, kept with behind closed doors and uh, in <laughs> private. So they weren't quite there yet. Uh, right. By the way, his full name before we're uh, caught here: Derek Jules Gaspard Ulrich Niven Vanden Bogard. So I can see why he shortened it a little bit. Yes. Dirk. Yes. So Derek, Dirk, I don't know if that's the diminutive. Well, this is where we kind of wrap this up. I wanted to correct last week's episode. I said something mm-hmm. about Gus Grissom and, and that it was the Mercury rocket. It wasn't the Mercury rocket. It was the Apollo 1 mission where um, so Edward Chaffee, Gus Grissom, and uh, I cannot remember the third astro- astronaut's name, but it bothered the hell out of me. That was, was bothering a, me too. I'm glad you looked it, it up. Saturn I- rocket. Was yeah. the was the rocket that was used, but it was yeah. the Apollo One mission. But but it was confusing to remember if you haven't seen it lately because it was mostly right. about the Mercury Seven crew, right? right? So yes, that was like. And also, also, uh, I don't assume that you know. I was like, we should just have <laughs> brothels next to gay bars, <laughs> and I, I was like, what does it oh. say about my opinion? It, it just came out so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I understood. Not so for that. I'm just as prurient as you. Um, apparently, just, just broth aisles and to uh, me would be better places to hang out after work. You know, yeah. 
better than Cheers or your local Bennigan's. Yeah. I would like assuming they want to be there and are not made to be. Yes. You know. Yes. So I don't want people to think that no. But anyway. Well, please take care of one another. And I love that they say that in the film as well. The brother says to Dirk and and Laura, take care of one another. Sam, what are you watching? Real quick. What the hell am I watching? I watch something. Beth, I have no idea. I'm blanking out. What are you watching? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I oh, just... Oh, oh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire on your recommendation, finally. And? Fantastic. Oh, right. my God. I wish we would cover that for Pride, but maybe maybe we will somewhere. Well, we don't know yet. We're just going to keep it a keep it real yeah. and yeah. tell you that we don't really know yet what the other three movies we will be covering. I have watched or finished Under the Banner of Heaven fantastic series uh, for folks that are in the know about the series Broadchurch. It's to me, it's the closest it's along Ooh. the vein of excellence of, okay. That's uh, a high bar. I'm, yeah. Broadchurch and probably mayor of East town. Really good. So beautiful people out there. Be kind to each other. Rewind. Watch something different. Read something new. Out of your comfort zone. We love you. Take care of each other and Bye be proud. Now. Be proud.